Troops, here we are. Easter's over. That's done. It was a thing. It's gone. Um, on to the next thing. Uh, today, I welcome onto the show a guy who's at the forefront of leadership, uh, Nathan Simmons. Nathan, how are you doing, sir? Amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's starting to be here and actually having this conversation in a recording, uh, sharing some of this content up top with you guys. Brilliant. Um, Nathan, we met on LinkedIn. Uh, we use the power of LinkedIn to connect. Uh, first question is, how powerful is LinkedIn? And if you're not on it, why you should be on it as a business? Um, everything that I'm starting to understand about social media, and I am such a novice in this space, <laughs> if you're putting anything on Facebook, predominantly because of the algorithm, something like 2% of your following is only ever going to see your posts. Yeah, It's as simple as that. Whereas yeah. at this point in time, everybody talks about LinkedIn being the what Facebook was like 10 years ago, whatever. Yeah, the moment you put a post on there, everyone in your in your um, your followers, your connection sees it. The moment someone in that um, in that group interacts with it, that then shows up on their followers. So if yeah. you're posting the right content with the right points and the right um, elements and attractions in it, you know you're going to get coverage up to two, two, you know, two, three million people if you're hitting the right points. Mm. That's the power of it. I've I've quickly sort of. Um, mastered uh, LinkedIn and I'll, what I'll say about that is is I haven't mastered nothing what I've done is I'm just a good human being and I take time to read other people's posts and interact with people and leave engaging comments and, and questions and, and looking to build rapport and you know I see people putting out um, content saying how to master LinkedIn, how to do this, how to do that and for me, it's, it's quite simple. Ask a question, get an answer, ask another question. Do, do you agree with that sort of way of thinking? I do. And I guess it's asking the right question. Yeah. Because when you say that, the thing that ticks in my head is, is clickbaiting. You know, the old techniques of going into someone else's Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> someone else, it's, it's basically fishing someone else's pond. It's not yeah. okay. You know, there's... Hey, typically the, the, the bro code or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. You don't go and fish in another man's pond or another pond, woman's yeah. pond. It's just not okay. So it's making sure that we're asking questions that are poignant, that are relevant, that are supporting people's thinking, that yeah. are, are genuinely engaging with them in yeah. a way that where you want to add value. You know, you're not there with an intention, oh, I'm going to turn this person into a customer. Oh, I'm going to take mm. this person's money. Do you know, I'm going to ask them a question because I want them to think differently. I want them to move themselves forward. And I want to share something that's of use. And that is contribute, you know, contribution and connection. That's, uh, that's, that's a big thing. But I see a lot of people put out a lot of gear content on LinkedIn. And some of it doesn't really get the traction. And I think, I wonder, what, I wonder why they don't get the traction. And then I sort of do a little bit of homework on them. And I think, oh, they never, ever comment on anyone else's stuff. And they never, they, they, and they, even, this is criminal. If someone comments on your post, to leave it open and not go back and at least, you know, whatever, thank, thank them for the comment. I replied the comment. I liked the comment. You know, if someone said hello to you in the street and you didn't, you, you didn't say hello back and the next time they saw you, they ain't saying hello to you again. Um, and it's the same, it's the same principles, isn't it? Um, sort of on average, what time do you spend on LinkedIn per day? It's... It's a mixture of making sure some of the right times and you can Google that for sure. Mm. The other parts is I go in in the morning, I'm looking around about nine o'clock. So I'm using one tool when I'm focusing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. 
using Buffer. So I'm pre-loading posts to go up on. So it might be my free email course. So right. I've, re- I've remembered in all the, the flurry of what we're doing, I've got a free email course. Boom, I'll put that on there, post it. Um, we've got the, the charity event that we're doing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll put that onto that. So that's going to come through. So every day there's going to be a post coming through either at 9 o'clock or 5 o'clock in there. So that's coming in. But then, like you say, it's make, and, and doing that at the say on a Sunday night for an hour, yeah. hour and a half, getting that content ready. Then during the week, you can go in and then you can start commenting and replying to the responses and the interactions that are going on. Yeah. Ideally, I for me, 30 to 40 minutes, 45 minutes a day. But you're, like I say, you're preloading on the Sunday. So you're getting ahead of the curve and you're not going in on a daily basis. Ah, uh, yeah. Because it's too easy. We know with social media, it starts to then become antisocial. And what I mean by that is you go into it, you get caught up in a rabbit hole of someone else's whatever mm. doing this and blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, you spent two and a half, three hours there, and that time hasn't been productive because it's not focused on delivering value, commenting on the right people, supporting the people in your in your team, mm. in your in your arena, and, and vice versa. And you're just you know, you, and you're not even getting work done at the same time. I think um, LinkedIn has definitely changed. Now I've been on it a long time, and I didn't understand it at all um, when I first got onto it, and I thought it was fairly boring. But actually now, I, I actually really, really enjoy LinkedIn. Um, for one, I never see any negativity. Why do you think it is that we don't see negativity on LinkedIn like we do see on other, so- other social media platforms? One, because front end, it's, it's a, a typically professional platform. Yeah. Um, and it's super easy to call people out because of the reach you've got. So mm. when you looked at the whole hashtag me too um, yeah. situation and the levels of sexism and, you know, or um, misogynistic behaviors, you still see yeah. elements of that in mm-hmm. uh, LinkedIn. At the same time, people are very quick to call it out when it's happening. Yeah. And people are quickly kind of, um, what's the word I'm, um, looking for not vilified is the right word but it, it's people see it and it's highlighted very quickly and the moment that someone puts that sort of thing on there mm. the volume of comments and views that post gets it is you know it's huge yeah I, I feel there's um there's a there's a person I used to be connected with now I feel like they played that card because they they, they would put like a screenshot of someone who maybe sent them a uh what would class as an inappropriate comment about how they looked. Um, but then, but then would sort of use that comment as a post and say, how is this still acceptable? And obviously that thread would get loads of traction. And I thought you're literally playing up to it. Do you know what I mean? Like in some ways, these people are doing you a favor by coming on and leaving you this, you know, or I think you're beautiful or I think you, you know, I'd love to take you out. That's sort of, which isn't what LinkedIn's for. Um, But then instead of just deleting it and blocking that person, actually used it to create a, a bit of a fire on their mm. own thread, which made more and more people see it. And I thought, is that really clever? Or is that sort of a little bit um, badger bitten, uh, which I thought was a bit weird. And again, it's, it's making sure you're getting the right, the, the, the right intentions behind certain things. Yeah. And I think still, regardless... <sighs> When I'm talking to people about communication and teaching communication, people say, oh, but you can't tell what someone means when they write something. Oh, you can't tell what <laughs> someone means when, when you read it. And actually, I think you can. When mm. you read it, there's, there is a certain element of how I'm feeling when I read it. So I need to be mm. aware of my own emotions. 
and also when you're reading the content, okay, what, what is this actually doing? Okay, actually then having a look at the comments that are underneath it, what are the person's responses to this? Yeah. Are they using it as the, as debating? Are they using it to, um, you know, degrade someone else? Or, um, yeah, or de- yeah. Or fire their own profile up off the back of this sort of behavior? Um, and we have to be mindful that when we're putting that sort of stuff out there, you're still adding energy and impetus mm. to that sentiment. You're still kind of advertising and, and promoting that sort of behavior in certain people and potentially pushing it more underground Yeah. Um, by stigmatizing. Rather yeah, than supporting no, the individuals that's making inappropriate comments, we're actually stigmatizing them and forcing them to become more underground with their own behaviors. Yeah, and it's there's another interesting one. Um, another guy uh, who runs a, another veteran podcast called The Hair Chower, um, managed to land um, Nigel Farage as a guest. Now, regardless of what you think of Nigel Farage as a person, if you like his politics, if you don't like his politics, to get a guest like that to come on a podcast, um, which is, I think, I want to say about two and a half, maybe three years old, um, is huge. Like, that is a, a, a big win. How you've managed to get the email into Nigel Farage's inbox and to get 40 minutes of his time is fair play to the HR for getting him on. Um, now, he posted the link on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, I commented on all three platforms, but it was really interesting to see the different comments. So LinkedIn was all very positive, unbelievable, well done. Um, look forward to listening to it. Well done on getting such a... Um, what's, what would be the right word? Um highlighted guest, you know what I mean? Someone who's really, yeah. really well known. And then literally Facebook was just like a volume of hate. And I was just yeah. sitting there reading the comments. And I was just like, wow, some people just can't, they just can't help themselves. Can they? They can't just help and go, Oh no, I'm going to pile in and I'm going to have my two pence. Um, why do you feel like the diff? Well, not the different platforms. Why do you feel like people, feel the need to have the two pence on every single subject i think it's human nature people i think it's one of those things when you look at social media it says comment or reply and mm. it's 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 an it's a it's a box nature abhors a vacuum i think it was i can't remember if it was socrates or aristotle that said this right. you know we see this box and we go, oh i want to put something in there oh, you know i want to fill that gap mm-hmm. um and people always feel like they you know I guess social media as a platform has provided people a space to add that to piece work. Mm. Um, and then you've got this kind of safe barrier of, well, I'm on the other side of this keyboard, this side of this screen. I can post this sort of content because I will probably never meet this person in reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, so therefore I can be as inflammatory as I like. Um, derogatory, insulting, and, and start acting like a troll. Yeah, it's... I, I just found it bizarre and, and sort of one of the comments was you should never ever allow this man a platform and I thought that's like a very dangerous it's almost like you become the thing you set out not to be you yeah. know what I mean um, and, and I think we should listen to people who we disagree with because and we, and we should debate people that's how that's how the, the modern world that's how you evolve isn't it um, I, I always say to people you should listen to people who you don't like and even if you don't like them, you should try and understand because if you ever come to debate them, you need to know what they said. Otherwise, you look like an idiot. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, and so the, the two points in leadership is, one is you need to, I can't remember the guy's name that uh, uses this reference, is quantum thinking. Right. It's the ability to hold two opposing thoughts in your head at the same time. 
yeah. and, and, and not be biased, but, and draw the best elements out of each of them and potentially come up with the third object, which is the action or, or um, uh, movement that you're going to make. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And also then when you're negotiating with people and you're listening to an argument, and you're listening to their point of view, it's actually taking the time to appreciate what they're saying find merit in those things rather than completely discount them and, and become aggressive about it or, or mm. um, uh, inflammatory again. Yeah, yeah. But extract the key elements out. Find the good things they're talking about because there will be stuff in there that you can then utilise which then develops your idea even further and allows you to overtake them. I mean, one thing I would say about the podcast, um, it, was, it was great because it literally just went, right, what do you, th- what do you think of this? And with uh, Nigel Farage being such a... Uh, a powerful speaker and someone who's very articulate in how he speaks, hmm. he just went bosh. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was, uh, it was a good listen, and and I learned something that, like that I never knew that he actually had his own um, battlefield tours company at one point, like taking people over to um, Flanders Field and Eeps and and hmm. doing all that sort of stuff. And I was like, that's why you should always listen to people who you maybe don't agree with politically because you can always find a human element um yeah. and yeah and again like leadership style um what what do you think makes a good leader there's different sta- there's different styles of leaders isn't it like there's mm. some people um uh what was it there's autocratic that's do as i say yeah sort of um lassie fair lassie fair that was the french one wasn't it as in just get, get on, on as you want yeah, yeah. <laughs> get, get on but, but, okay, so for me, leadership is some core elements. One, servant leadership. Um, this is it comes to the idea of your team doesn't work for you, you work for them. Mm. That's a key element. So I'm here to remove the blocks for these individuals so they can do the best possible work. Why? Yeah. Because atypically, when you're, you're a team leader or an operational leader or whatever, what comes first? The team. It says mm. team leader. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. So the team always comes first. Therefore, if you you know if then if you're not making them first, and your team leaves you because you're not actually giving them what they need to be successful in whatever environment, they leave. You've no longer got a team, so therefore you're not a leader. Mm. So you know it's just pay attention to what your actual name is and your responsibilities in it. Yeah. I think the next part to leadership that makes it is is fundamental, and I've been learning this more and more. Is you have to learn to be outstanding and be outside of the current norm because in order to be a leader you have to go that little bit extra you cannot be doing what the other 95 percent of people are doing so you have to get used to be standing out yeah yeah and you have to be good at what you're doing you also have to have a level of conviction which at the same time so you you, you separate yourself from the group as a leader mm. mentally because you want to move things forward you have to choose a, um, a course a, a conviction that supports the 95% and helps them to move forward and at the same time be separate from them. So again, come back to that quantum thinking. This is what quantum leadership for me is. That's a new phrase that's just popped into my head. You have to separate yourself in order to be able to support the masses. Mm. And then with this viewpoint, develop skills, thinking and processes um, which enable you to inspire more people to go and be the leader they wish they had to go and be the leader they know the world needs right now in these times of uncertainty that we're experiencing these constant times of change. 
So you be that person and you inspire others in order to do it themselves. And as, it all, as I've always heard it and said it to others, you know, the sole responsibility of a leader is to create more leaders. Mm. Because actually, if you create a shift in the other 95%, one more steps up, one more steps up, one more steps up. And all of a sudden, humanity starts to shift in a very, very beautiful way. Yeah, it's a, that's a great, it's a great point. And um, obviously me with my military background, I believe the, the, the forces have a great way of developing leadership. Um, and it's through arduous environments because I feel like that's where you, you, you truly start to see leaders and, and, and leadership. Now, in the British Army, we, we did like a four-week intensive, uh, they called it leadership cadres, where you would do very hard PT, um, very late nights, early mornings, um, messed around for, for no good reason apart from just to see how you react and, and, and what you do. Um, but as well, there was always sort of great structured content where you would have to sort of go away and, and learn about someone in history who'd been, a great, who'd been a great leader and then sort of define their great leadership characters. And, and my course officer at the time, I remember very clearly, every week, every Friday, they got you in and basically we had like a sort of course rundown. <clears throat> and on my second week, he accused me of, of being just a good Indian. Now, as someone like myself, um, I've always classed myself as a chief. So he did it as a re- reverse psychology, what made me say, next week, I'm showing you that I'm a chief and not just a good Indian. And I ended up sort of doing really well on the end of the course and, and finishing well and getting promoted. But have you ever heard, have you ever heard that phrase before, chiefs and Indians? Um, it's a phrase that we use in the military quite a lot. Some people are good Indians and some people are, uh, are chiefs. But there is a there is a difference. There is, and um, you know you, you hear you know there's, you know too many chiefs, not enough Indians in yeah. this way around. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think when you almost you swing too far the other way, you end up with too many Indians and not enough people, kind of giving a bit of a steer. So it's fine. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's the key thing is about finding the right balance at the right mm. time. And also when you go back into and just looking on the bookshelf, how to grow leaders, John Adair. Mm. Now again military background yeah yeah you know, is making you've got situational leadership and it sits inside that as well mm. and you know there's going to be times when you've got different experts going in you look mm. at you know the military special forces you've got different elements of special forces you know these guys are mm. um explosive experts you know you've got engineers or whatever, whatever you know snipers they've all got their specialist thing yeah now you're not going to send an explosive expert in potentially to be a sniper yeah, yeah. or put him in charge of a sniper unit because the thinking's not going to be right. Yeah. Excuse my ignorance. I mean, I'm not military. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so it's being the right leader at the right time. And it's also being the right Indian at the right time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And being no, able to, to switch and pivot when you need to. When you need to. No, it's a, it's a great point. And why is it you, you think we see the best of people in in hard times um or hard situations what is it that sort of brings out that 10 percent in us one thing and i think this was again a military quote i have no idea who said it is you do not rise to the level of expectation you fall back to the level of training simple as that wow um and we all think oh you know at that moment of crisis we're going to be this superhuman you know human mm. being you're going to put our pants over our trousers and a cape's going to go <laughs> and we're going to fly out the window no it doesn't happen like that most people human nature will crumble at that under that point of pressure mm. unless you've done the training to actually make it happen mm. um the point. 
what makes people give that 10%? Why? Okay, key thing, challenge is, is tension and, and friction. Life exists under a certain level of tension. If I put, an, I'm pointing at my windowsill because I've got seed propagators growing vegetables yeah. in my w- office window. In, I'll show nice. you in a minute. If you put a seed into darkness, you put it, you know, you bury it. And mm. you know, it's that whole idea. Sometimes you feel like you're buried, but maybe you're actually being a seed being planted. Mm. The seed goes into the ground. You pack the soil down. You, it's the right environment. That seed has to push its way through however much soil has been pressed down on top of it. It needs mm. that tension. Now, if you try and remove the seed casing from that plant as it's growing too early, you'll actually kill the plant. Yeah, it yeah. needs the tension of that seed case to actually strengthen its leaves so it can then burst out and then become as strong as it needs to. So you mm. need tension. In order to get a car moving, you need friction. Now, the wheels on the tarmac, you get traction, yeah. creates friction, yeah. you need that movement, you need that. But again, yeah. it's curated tension. You look at the... Um, the temperatures that a car engine gets up to when you're actually using it, when you look at the the force and the speed of all those parts working together uh, synchronistically, mm. yeah, that's that's friction. Mm. It's curated friction. The tension piece, and you know, look at the army puts people up their guys under immense amounts of tension to get it right. Why? Yeah, because they don't want you to think. They want it to be instinctual. No mm. different to a tennis player. Now that ball's traveling at 110 kilometers an hour or whatever, you know, you don't even, you don't even think that quickly to hit the mm. ball. It comes instinct. So when we get into a crisis situation is we need to be having that curated tension before. Why? To make our, um, our products obsolete, to make our services obsolete. So actually we're constantly upgrading that stuff. Mm. So that when we actually land in a moment like this and someone says, what's going on? You've already made three actions because instinctually, you know what the right thing to do. Increase the volume of your podcast, increase the content going out, yeah. um, change the way your content goes out, change the way you connect with your, you know, your people and get it right. You know, you need to be practiced. Okay. What happens in this? I'm not talking about setting up paranoia or, you know, yeah. constantly thinking negative. It's like, well, actually what else can I do to be generating more communications and, and relationships? Yeah. And the moment it happens, you just switch it on and you keep moving. And you'll give more than that 10% you alluded to just now. Mm. I think uh, you, you, make some, you make some great points there. And we chatted offline about it, but we're going to chat online now. Um, some businesses are making massive mistakes. And the, by mistakes, I don't mean they do anything wrong. They're just not doing anything. Um, why is that such a terrible move in the current crisis? I think the problem is, is potentially some of the languaging. So we look at social distancing. Mm. It's, it's wrong. You know, we've been social distancing for years already, which is <laughs> yeah. why we're in the fucking problem we're in. Yeah. Yeah. It's physical distancing. Okay. We need to keep two meters apart. We need to stay at home for the right. And that's all the right things. Okay. Social distancing does not mean disconnecting from your customers. Social distancing does not mean disconnecting from your suppliers and your vendors. Um, social distancing does not mean you know, cutting yourself off from the world entirely. Because yeah. we're all going through this situation at the same time. If 100%. you start cutting yourself off from your suppliers, actually, and, and they go out of business because you haven't had that conversation with them, when you go back and open the doors to your shop again, you're going to have a different problem when you arrive because the people that were supplying you with the goods are now no longer there and you haven't got any goods to sell because you're not being, uh, you haven't got the product. Mm. Again, your customers, you know, how are you staying relevant? How are you staying remembered? And how are you staying retailing? Oh, that's, that's class. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you've got to be pu- pushing this out. Um, yeah. 
whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, um, we're a restaurant and we suddenly start doing online cooking courses, whether it's, you know, um, you were talking about one of the guys in the hotels where we're talking about yeah. doing little interviews with the guys we work with so people can see the story behind why people come to work and do what they do. So yeah. you, you're, you are strengthening that human bond and that human relationship. Mm, oh, I think, it, I, yeah, no, it's a, no, it's a, it's, it's a great point and, and I've got a great um, partnership with a guy who supplies me with my coffee. Now he's a veteran himself and he owns a Greenbrier Coffee Company and I've been sort of dabbling in the art of TikTok and yesterday I made like a bit of a how to make, how to make a, a perfect brew. So I did like a TikTok video and obviously sent it to him and said, there you go, mate. And he, he absolutely loves it because obviously I've mentioned his product in, in the TikTok video. It took me 60 seconds, but it strengthened our bond because I'm still thinking about him and his brand, even in the time when um, I'm not taking it out in the hills and serving other people it because I can't do that, but I can still consume it myself, but it still strengthens our bond. And I think that's what a lot of people, they're not, they're not getting it. Um, and I'm, well, I'm just going to throw them under the bus really. Um, we've got this great initiative um, in Darlington called love Darlington. And the person who runs that account um, really needs a long, hard look at themselves after this is over because their, their whole thing is set up to help the, local Darlington shops, small business owners, independents, um, even the larger chains attract more people into the town. Now, I've been out running and I'm tagging local businesses in on my Instagram posts, just saying, you know, um, see when the shops reopen, um, hope everything's okay. But I'm also tagging this Love Darlington thing in and no one is monitoring their social media. Like, it's just an absolute... It's a fail because I think, well, what else can you be doing? Because I don't know, 80% say of the UK is currently sat at home on furlough or can't go to work for, for whatever reasons. And um, why do people, why do you think people have this? I'm going to pull the drawbridge mentality. It's, you know, it's the self-sustaining ecosystem rather than mm. the self-sustaining ecosystem. And what I mean by this is, when I teach feedback and I teach certain parts of coaching skills and leadership to people, I always ask this question, who's the most important person in the conversation? Yeah. So when you're delivering feedback as a leader, when you're coaching someone and asking them the right question, who is the most important person in the conversation? The person you're talking to. The moment that someone does something or says something or interacts with you as a leader and the moment you start saying you're making me look bad, you're making mm. my team look bad, you're making my performance look bad, you're now taking, you're, you are now the most important person in the conversation, not the person you need to be speaking to. Mm. So the challenge is, is we're going to this crisis situation, the business feels like they might shut down or they've got a problem. Oh, I've got a problem. My business is, is damaged. My, I can't do this. I can't do that. It's all about me, 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 me. The world doesn't work that way. Mm. And the moment you do that, you pull the drawbridge up and you shut shop. Why? Because you don't think you can do anything better. Well, mm. actually, when we change the question and say, how can I serve these people in my community at a higher level? How can I take this situation and turn it into a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block? Now, what is it I'm learning right now that enables me to actually come back from this situation twice as strong? 
and you almost get into that anti-fragility situation of of coming back stronger from the um, from the from the impact or whatever the situation is. So the moment we start making it about me, 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 it's the mm. self-sustaining ego system. I don't want to do anything in case I look like I failed. I don't want to do anything in case I didn't. I look like I didn't um, bolster my finances enough to to weather this storm. Mm. And we withdraw. People don't people don't draw um, on experience enough. Like people don't look back at key moments in history or key battles or anything like that and think, um, oh. You know, how can I apply that to business? And, I'm, and I mentioned it yesterday when I did another podcast, but I've just watched a fascinating series on Netflix called Ottoman, which is about when the Ottoman Empire basically took Constantinople. Um, but there's so many cat and mouse moves in that whole siege. When I'm thinking to myself, I need to think like the Sultan. Do you know what I mean? I need to think, right, COVID-19 is the, is the walls of Constantinople. Now, how do I manoeuvre my fleet and my army round that to its weak point? Because everything has a weak point. Everything does. And, and how do I make this thing fight on two fronts? Um, what, what, what's your take? Have you got any sort of key interesting points where you always come back to where you think, oh, yeah, it's a bit like this situation. I know a lot of people have read The Art of War and, and, and things like that or podcasts, similar sort of stuff. Uh, you actually alluded to one of the relevant things and there's multiple tangents ago the art of war strategy without tactics is or sorry tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat <laughs> yeah with sun tzu we, and we've been re- mm. we've been saying this you know and then strategy without tactics is the long road to victory so you have to have both of those elements in play yeah one is you know what your tactics are it's social media is doing all these things strategy is actually how i'm moving out of this but taking the time to actually get strategic and, and, and put the tactics in place. So what we've done or what I've done is I also have a part-time job. I have a daytime job over here that brings me a salary. I also mm-hmm. have my own coaching practice over here. Yeah. Okay. On a weekly basis, I am talking to Darren, the founder of the company that we I work in. Yeah. We talk, I'm talking to him on a daily basis about different elements we're working on. So we pivoted our content immediately. So, I'm doing more live content. I'm doing more free content. Okay, how am I making it work for these guys? Okay, how do I change? How do I redeploy the skills I've got in a different way that creates more content and more contacts? That's prime thing. And, but, you know, this stuff isn't original. This stuff is being done by different people in different ways and different formats. There mm. are no new ideas under the sun. We know this. So earlier on, you talked about the um, leadership carters you went through. Okay, go yeah. away and study these leaders. Well, it doesn't matter which leader, which event. It could be Samuel Pepys, you know, reading the text of Samuel Pepys in in the plague time. Same stuff we're going through right now. Mm. Um, If you look at, I'm looking at my bookshelf, I've got Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And he talks about how he studied Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and 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 from Edison and these people. Yeah, yeah. And he would mentally ask these people a question in his head to see what they would say. So when you studied these individuals and these previous events, you can go and question, well, if I was the Sultan in the yeah. Ottoman Wars, what would I do right now? Or yeah. what, are my, what are my actual options? Mm. You know, if I put myself in the Sultan's shoes, looking back over the battle, what options would I, what decisions would I have changed? Okay, mm. I would have done this. Okay, how does that reapply right now? Because, yeah. and I say to people, as a leadership coach, the quality of your day is dictated by the quality of the questions that you started with. 
So when you ask yourself the right questions, you will get a better answer. Mm. And then you can make a decision. Okay, well, actually, I've got this situation. I've got this crisis. What else can I do? Well, I can change this. Okay, what else can you do on top of that? Well, I can change this. How do you then, how do you make that two times better? How do you learn from that the day after? Mm. It's what? it. I was going to say, the, 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 one, the one last question from on that is, you know, is, is actually, when are you spending time reflecting on the previous day to make sure you're improving it continuously through this whole situation? Yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a, you brought us a lot of great points there. And, and one thing I sort of want to talk about is um, why do some businesses, employers only ever focus on like negativity, like highlighting mistakes and not highlighting, like I don't, like it blows my mind why people would do that. Like it's almost, it's almost like in a way of having a slave army and saying, well, we've lost another battle. Well done. Um, not not good enough, gents. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it doesn't make anyone fight any harder. So I do all it does is it makes people roll their eyes and walk away. And I just feel like how are you, how are they gonna ever ever think? Uh, well, well, tomorrow I'm gonna go into a place which I don't own, which I never own. I've got no stake in it. Why why am I gonna go in and be ten percent, five percent, one percent better? Um, how how and why do you think companies should get rid of high negativity and focus on positivity? One is it's almost it's human behaviour. We're hardwired mm. to see the negative. The challenges you have with that, though, especially in the English language, and this comes back to neuroscience or a little bit of neuroscience, they will always be telling you what not to do. They'll always be telling you the mistakes you made. In certain businesses, you have quality controls. They say, well, you've got, you know, you've got a 95% um, threshold or whatever. Don't do this. Don't do that. These are the mistakes you made. This is the problem you caused. And all you're doing is you're constantly looking at the negative. Mm. But when you look at the, the language, the, the way that your brain is actually wired is it visualizes the action first before it tells you yes or no, or to, or to do it or not do it. So if mm. you tell a child, don't drop the plate, what the brain actually computes is drop the plate, because that's the visual bit and the, and the bit it can reference, and then it puts the don't on the end of it. Mm. So the moment you say don't drop the plate, the, the child hears drop the plate, freaks out, drops the plate, and then it hears the don't. Mm. So businesses from a neurological point of view are doing this constantly. Don't do this. Don't do that. You're rubbish at this. You're not very good at this. So we're constantly kind of ratcheting up the, the negativity. Mm. Whereas actually all you have to do is flip it around. Yeah. Ask your people, what do you need to remember to do? What is it that's important about making sure that we get this part right? Yeah. What's the impact of, of this being done this way around? Uh, simple super kind of simple way of doing this you know is we always saying don't forget your keys yeah well we're telling people don't forget the keys but the power word is actually in the action the forgetting yeah so all we're doing is reinforcing the forgetting nature of the of, of, of the element we want to avoid interesting so if, so if you're telling people make sure you remember your keys okay i'll remember the keys remember the keys i'm telling them what to do i'm yeah. replacing the negative focus with a, a positive habit or pro positive intention or, or action yeah that builds up same with leaders this is what we need to remember to do this is what we need to include when we do this it looks like this mm. if we not even negative you know we can say you know when we do this, it looks like this for the customer. If we do this, it looks like this for the customer. Mm. Which one of those two things would you prefer to do? 
if you were the customer, what would you prefer to happen? I'd prefer it to be like this. Okay, great, crack on. Mm. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a great point that you, you, you raise. And I think if I, when I, when I have a large business, um, I, will con- I will remove all forms of negativity f- from, from the environment because I just do not feel like it creates an environment where people think, I know it's not mine and I know I'll never own it, but you know what? I love working there. I love, I'm made to feel part of it and I'm going to get stuck in and I'm going to give that, you know, even if someone gives you one, two percent more than they would have, that's one, two percent more than, than they have to give. Um, and, and I hear these stupid, like I read sometimes, I read like job posts or whatever and people are put like in a job post must be prepared to give 110%. And I just feel like, like, how how can you even ask that of someone who's it's not their business? They'll never give you a hundred and ten, you know. And if you ask yourself as an owner, are you giving a hundred and ten? Nah, I give about ninety five. So how are you saying that you want another fifteen percent from an individual who's got no stake in it? it was never their idea, won't benefit from it if it becomes a multinational corporation. I just I don't understand. It's almost like a buzzword, isn't it? must give 110 percent where do you think that's come from i think it just it's it makes people feel like they're actually putting the right thing on the job mm. post because you know then they you know if you look statistically it's i can't read i think it's 87 percent 87 percent of people are not engaged in the work that they're doing mm-hmm. um in, especially in corporations and businesses so they're only if you're lucky giving you know 60 levels of, of input to the business what they're doing with the other 40 percent but that's okay because the other 95 percent of people around them are only doing the same anyway so everyone's kind of fitting some sort of norm yeah the bit that creates that hundred and you can't give 110 percent. how can you give 110 percent? no you're either using 100 percent of your energy or 100 percent of your time or 100 percent of your focus that's it you can't yeah. give 110 percent of your focus because shit your brain would explode yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> so when we're working exist. yeah it doesn't and so when we're working in the spaces is especially for founders and new businesses and exciting stuff or you know is is that necessity why are these people creating these businesses what's important to them about the product or service that are providing okay let's go and find people where this product is important to them uh, i'll give you an example hospices yeah Hospices are vitally important. If you go and look at the population of the people that work in hospices or volunteer there, mm. predominantly, I think the neighbours are drilling. Sorry if I can hear this vibration. No, it's, I can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you listen to people or speak to people in the hospice environment, the charity environment, it's because they've been touched by that environment. They've mm. had someone in the hospice, it's been important to them, they feel like they need to contribute back and therefore they want to do that. Same with businesses. People will give 100% of their energy if that product or service is relevant to them. It is part of their cause. It's part of their purpose. And mm. they feel like by giving it, you know, it, it's, it's, full, it's meaningful to them because it's full of meaning. Yeah. And by acting and working in that space, it's now full of purpose to somebody else. So therefore, it's purposeful. It's aligned to them and it's aligned to the business. They will give 100%. Yeah, no, it's... Um... It's a, you, you know, you made a, a great, it's a great point. Um, who would you sort of say, who at the moment is that upcoming sort of person giving out the constant message all the time, the right stuff? And who would, who would be from the past? Who would you say was a strong, a strong leader? Um, for me, I, I would say Gary V at the moment, everything I see that he does, 
um, all the stuff that he, the knowledge that he drops, um, and the, and his sort of his leadership style, um, and the fact that he looks like he gives absolutely everybody's time, and 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 the thing is, he doesn't have to do that because he's there, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's he's at the top of the tree, and his time, you know, he could charge a lot of money for his time, um, and sort of going back, um, I always have to have a bit of a think of it because I feel like. There's wartime leaders and there's peacetime leaders and, and the two the two in their own element work really well. So, example, someone like um, Winston Churchill was a great wartime leader, but actually after the conflict, wasn't wasn't much cop. Who, who would you sort of say? Man, that's a big question. To be yeah, honest. huge, I know. <laughs> um, and I'm very much kind of, I have a, a very much a magpie mentality when it comes to thinking. And I think we mm. have this huge amount of information, virtual mentors, real dead, all of those things mm. to, to put on. Um, I am a big advocate for the content that Tom Billy puts out from Impact Theory. Right. Phenomenal stuff in there because of some of the thinkers he gets on it. From Peter, people like Peter Diamandis, um, David Eagleman is a super interesting one. He's done some series on Netflix, Neuroscientist. Right. Um, and I'm looking at my bookshelf, you know, you've got yeah. everything. Um, crikey, I've got Jamie Will, who wrote St- uh, Stealing Fire. John Adair, How to Grow, grow, uh, how to grow Leaders. Yeah. Um, Ray Dalio, Principles. Napoleon Hill. You know, the, and Simon Sinek up here. So again, you're coming up here. Simon Sinek, we start with why. Felix Dennis is a name that I haven't heard banded around too much. This guy... Um, wanted to to finish up his life um, with no money. And I think he ended up, you know, he wanted to try and spend all his money. He, he still ended up with 900 million in his bank account <laughs> in accessible funds. Um, wow. But, so, but just some absolute peaches and nuggets in there of, of, of valuable content. Mm. But it depends where you are in your life and what it is you want to extract. And I think, you know, there'll be a relevant nugget in each of those people to where mm. you are on your journey and, yeah. and to you psychologically in your psyche, you as an individual. Um, I highly recommend Tom Billy to go and find, you know, to go and meet some of those people for 45 to 60 minutes and to get some insight. Um, leaders for me, he says, looking up his bookshelf. Um, one of my biggest heroes was Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, so when you kind of looking at the, and, and I didn't realize a lot of this until later on, he was coming out of China, coming to America, huge amounts of racism. He was mm. trying to shift the world perspective on Asian culture um, because it was very it was horrendously stereotyped at that point in time. Yeah. Um, you look at what he did for martial arts. You look at the kind of the biography. Um, the guy will be doing leg curls, bicep curls, and reading a book at the same time. Um, when he was in hospital, after he had his back injured, he was still reading and, and doing these things because he was still, and you know, you look at kind of the wartime leader, mm. when we are in a crisis situation, when we are in a problem, okay, what are we doing to make sure that we continue to move forward? That hardiness, yeah. it's not about, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Resilience for me. Mm. It's about that hardiness. When the snow comes down, when the rain comes down, when the shit hits the fan, do yeah. I continue to move forward regardless of what is actually bouncing off me? Mm. Yeah, it's a, you, it's a great, it's a great point. And I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely check out those people that you mentioned. Uh, they sound like, it sounds, it sounds that interesting. I just wonder why it is as we get older, we, we, we want to take in these people. I wish I'd have took them in, in my, in my early twenties. 
um, instead of, I don't know, being fascinated with, with cars and, and getting drunk. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it's almost like, I wouldn't say I wasted my young life. I, I didn't do that, but I wish I had been, I wish I could go back now and just say, just check this person out or, or read this or do this. Do you know what I mean? Like, just trust me, you'll thank me. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll thank yourself. Um, Nathan, I feel like it's been a great um, introduction, only an introduction into yourself and, and the products and the services that you provide. Um, we're going to sort of look to close down the show with the uh, COVID-19 5-watt special. Yep. Um, COVID-19 has forced a lot of people to change routine. Um, and I feel like routine is something, as a race of people, we, we a lot of people need routine. Um, so the first one, what does your day look like? Super structured. My day starts with one-to-one conversation uh, with either my with with Darren, the the team leader, yeah, uh, business leader, or getting into my email to making sure that I've got that structure. That's from a work point of view, yeah. Um, and then it's getting into these sorts of conversations and making sure I'm ticking off those things to do so we're staying relevant and we're out there mm. and staying remembered. Shift back before that, though, so that's the work day. You're talking anywhere between five thirty and six thirty. Up, moving. Um, into my day and it's predominantly meditation clear my head because i've got a very active brain mm. and that's you know i've got my own business we've got the business we work over here mm. create the clarity to calm the brain so actually you can see the to-do list starting to come up mm-hmm. and then you can start to move the ideas as you then get into the day at 8 30 you can then start ticking those off and taking the steps that you need to take not start your day at 8 30 and then wonder what the hell you're doing for the first hour of the day mm. nice yeah, you can't just send the troops in, can you? You've got to think and plan. Yeah, again, that's a yep. fair point. Um, second one, what workouts are you doing? Now, that doesn't have to be a physical workout, a mental workout. Physical workout, we do, We have been doing a little bit of Joe Wicks, which has been good, which has broken the back for a few things for me. Nice. Um, but I am. I also have an allotment, so I grow my own fruit and vegetables, a certain amount. Nice. I walk into the allotment um, and back again, which is about two, two and a half K a day. But I'm doing that with a 20 kilo or 25 kilo bag of horse poo on my shoulders. Nice. Um, yeah. And Hastings is hilly as well. Yeah, so that walk good. back is hard. That's, that's a uh, caveman. I heard this saying the other day, caveman CrossFit. That's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and I look I like, like a caveman like by the time I come back, I tell you. Yeah. Functional fitness is, yes. is what it's about. Um, third one, uh, what have you started? Have you started anything new in the, in the current situation? Podcasting for one for the business I'm in. So we're doing that. Um, um, we're doing also more live content. So we're delivering a live training every single day for all the time that we're on lockdown. So 20 minutes of content and 10 minutes of Q and a, which is really pushing my, my, my concepts as well. Amazing. Um, Mm. what have you stopped for me? I was a big, I was a big cinema goer. Um, not just because I like to go to the cinema and eat popcorn and sweets, but actually, in my mind, like you, my mind is almost like it's constantly on fire. So when I go in the cinema, I can just sit there and a time for reflection and, and, and think and plan. I've, I've often gone and watched a movie and thought, I've really got no interest in this movie, but it's a great moment just to sit and just have a, have a bit of time to yourself. Is there anything that you've stopped doing? Um, what have we stopped doing? Drinking coffee. And actually, no, I like going to nice coffee shops and, and, 100%. and, and having a cappuccino. 
Um, mm. And having someone else make me a cappuccino, you know, it's, it's a luxury. We t- I think we take it for granted. And right now, I don't have that. So, mm, you know, it's been off the agenda. Yeah, no, that's... Again, we, we, there's a lot of things that we do take for granted. And I think one thing that will change, and I hope it does change, is I know a lot of people who live for next week or live for next weekend. Instead of saying, I have the chance to do that now, but I'm not going to because next weekend's coming. Now, we've all had that taken away from us. So I'm hoping a few more people will think a little bit more like, oh, no, I'm doing it now. Do you know what I mean? Be a bit more living the now. Um, I don't know who said it, but they, they call it um, Someday Island. Have you heard that before? Someday. Someday Island. I live on Someday Island. Um, fifth and final one, what's the first thing you're going to do after lockdown? Drink a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> straight down, down the coffee shop and do you know what we, we, we're spending time as a family on the allotment we're spending time in the garden we, you know, we, we were already homeschooling before this started anyway so we're doing a lot of those things and it's really testing our limits being in that close proximity amazing so the one will be you know, just to walk out even on my, potentially on my own to go yeah. and sit in a coffee shop and, and have that coffee and that downtime but then also at the same time equally to make sure that my wife's got that space as well because, yeah. you know, as human beings, although we, we, we came together and, and um, made that commitment to each other, we still need our separateness. Yeah, 100%. Um, so time for me to breathe, time for wife to breathe, not necessarily in that order. Might, you know, <laughs> might be the wife first. Um, yeah. and, and do that, just chill out. Fair play. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's been Nathan Simmons. Fantastic outlook on life. Great content on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to know more about leadership, he's the man to go and speak to. Uh, where can people find you, Nathan? They can find me at nathansimmonscoaching.com. Super easy. Go there. Do you know what? I've got a free email course, which I'm, I'm plugging through there. It's there you the go. Five, five pillars of leadership, which you think you probably don't need. You actually do need to go there. <laughs> it's free. Um, uh, yeah. And send me an email. Connect with me on LinkedIn. It's the best place. You want to talk leadership. You want to talk personal development. You want to talk about moving your career. Come have a conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's been Nathan. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I certainly have. You can always learn. And I believe this time now, COVID-19, we're under a little bit of stress, a little bit of pressure, but that's good because that creates people to innovate, think, and come outside the box. Uh, That's been the Eagle Podcast. Nathan, thanks very much for your time. Cheers. Bye. Sweet. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.